Hello and welcome to a new episode of Rain Stop Play. Um, there's been a lot of drama in the cricket world over the last uh, couple of days. We've had uh, Mancad debates uh, as um, India whitewashed England. We've had Surrey winning the county championship. Um, domestic four-day league in England, which uh, Zach already uh, looks pretty sad about just there. Um but for the focus of this pod, we're just going to be looking at what has been a thrilling uh, series so far. A four-game series um, out of seven have been played. Um, England's tour of Pakistan. It's a historic tour. It's been fantastic um, to see England back in Pakistan. And the cricket, to be fair, has completely lived up to the billing. It's been thrilling. I cannot wait to dive into the games. Um, I'm joined by Zach. How are you doing, Zach? I'm good, thank you, Glenn. How are you? I'm right, thank you. I'm good. Um, and a special guest, our resident um, Pakistan fan and expert, Hamad. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Yeah, okay, okay. I'm, I'm a little bit tired, to be fair, but I'm really excited for some uh, some chat about this series. So um, that's going to that's gonna just push me through. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so very quickly, um, just looking at how the series has gone so far. So as I said, we played four of the um, seven games. It's a long series, right? And when, I, yeah. when we saw seven games were announced, maybe there was a little bit of apprehension um, about mm-hmm. how the drama could be sustained. It felt a little bit too elongated. Like I, I appreciate why England is sticking around for a little bit longer but I was a bit worried that it might be maybe a heavy a heavy um, kind of result going one way going into the f- uh, fifth game which is tomorrow but no it's been fantastic um, so the first game as listeners are probably aware England won by six wickets um, Pakistan just coming up short um, with the bowling there the second game was, was really unbelievable England set what you thought was a pretty competitive 199 for five um, and chasing 200 Pakistan did not lose a wicket um, they won by 10 wickets chasing down over 200 Baba and Rizwan making it look an absolute breeze um, into the third game England won this one by 63 runs um, after setting a mammoth total of 200 121 for three uh really great cricket played by england and pakistan were pretty much blown away by that batting attack and then and then we come into what i would say has been one of the most thrilling t20s maybe arguably of recent years uh, in terms of a way a game seesaws um i don't want to give this a little quick summary because it deserves much more than that um hamad how did Pakistan win this? And Zach, how on earth did England lose this? So I would simply say Pakistan won this on a prayer and more. <laughs> Sim- simply, simply on a prayer and more. It's it's what we what we call uh, God's plan. <laughs> it, it was just meant to be for some reason, but definitely uh, the closest game you could ever win. It's just like three runs getting into the last over and just just some extremely good fast bowling right at the death. Harris Rauf, take a bow, everything. And every, uh, for for the most part, at this at the end of the Pakistan innings, we were like, nah, this is not gonna not gonna happen. It's nowhere there. But then you had up front three wickets being taken down quickly. Uh, Mohammad Hasnan doing his extremely good taking it, taking the contest to the England team. And then uh, we managed to cap a little things, even though you still had 
it's it's just a reiterate of England batters just coming in and just being like, yeah, we can hit, we'll keep hitting, uh, and won't stop. And then it just keep, kept going on until, uh, and pretty much Dawson was the one that pretty much took the wind out of at least Pakistan's sails with his over with Hasnan, uh, where he took sort of like I think 23, 24 off of him, and the poor 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 kid was he was just crestfallen after that, and then Harrisroff comes in, he's like. I got this. This is how it's done. <laughs> it, this is how it's done. I got this. And then Chuvik, uh, he gets Dawson out, and then he takes Ollie Stone out right at the next ball. He keeps it down, and even though you're facing a situation of five runs, uh, four runs uh, in, si- in six balls, which is, you would expect that to be done, but the simple panic that had set in on the England side, it's just that suicidal single that being taken at the at the start of the 19th over and just Sean Mazzuf finishing it up. Absolutely. There was just so much chaos on the pitch, Hamad, as you touched on there, towards the end of the innings, of the England innings. It's hard to know where to start. Um, but yeah, Pakistan set 166 for four. Um, yeah. I saw an ESPN headline just before we hopped on the pod that I think actually um, put it quite nicely. I think Pakistan arguably overvalued their wickets, whereas by contrast, England undervalued their wickets. I think that's a really nice way of putting this um, because Pakistan, the worry was, so I watched, um, I was playing um, football for the England innings, which is a shame, but I watched the Pakistan first innings and you did feel like they just didn't kick on, right? It was, it yeah. seemed like a gorgeous wicket at the start. Everyone thought this is one of the best pitches of the, potentially one of the best pitches of the series so far. Yeah. And they just couldn't quite kick on, right? Um, Hamad, you know, Rizwan nearly got 100. He was there with 88 and he played, you know, he played nice innings, nice strike rate. But, you know, Baba was just around. Um, and then Masood got stuck it looked like he was you know he's he just he just couldn't find any kind of momentum um yeah. so he almost had a runnable 21 effectively and he just didn't yeah. look in nick at all um and then asif ali ali came in and just showed showed the fans exactly what they've been doing uh what they were what they've been uh needing uh scoring yeah. 13 off just those three balls and something i always find um hamad is i feel t20 especially it's one of those formats where the way you end an innings as the in in the first half of the game really sets the tone for the second. I think if you end up in a chaotic way, as in obviously England lost, but the way England's ended in just shambles, I think it sets it up for the batters. But the way Pakistan ended it with those sixes off the last over and that monster six off the last ball, I think that really got the crowd really, really riled up. And they thought collectively, right, it's a total. We expect England to win and to win comfortably, but you just never know. Yeah. Um, Zach, I mean, looking at this scorecard, it's 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 chaos, really, isn't it? So as as Hamad touched on, you know, Hussain started brilliantly. He went from um, hero to zero, effectively, within this game, such as the, the cruelty of T20, um, really got Pakistan off to a flying start. And Zach, our top three didn't offer anything. Single figure scores for all of them. Um, a duck, unfortunately, for Jacks. Um where did it go wrong, Zach? This is a total. Uh, 167 is what England needed. I thought they'd do it at a canter. Where did it where did it go wrong? Well, I think I think it was good bowling at first from Hasnain. He's a very good bowler opening up. You know, he's not very good at the death, as we saw later on in this game, and it kind of showed the his strengths and weaknesses all in one innings, which I think is something that Pakistan are able to counterbalance when they have Shaheen in the side, because Shaheen is I mean, he's amazing. So I think the bowling side of Pakistan's game, I don't think they'll be that worried about because they've got Harris Ralph playing really well. 
Nazim or Hasnain for that kind of power play quick. And then they've got Shaheen to come in who will just do it all. But yeah, with the batting for England, just it just didn't really get started. And Duckett and Brooke, another good partnership. Neither of them could kind of push on and keep and stay in. It really looked like it was all over, you know, when when it was kind of David Willey batting. I understand that, you know, they brought David Willey in above Dawson, which I was surprised at at first, but obviously it's kind of left-hand, right-hand thing. But yeah, and then Liam Dawson did... You know, Liam Dawson things. That's what he's been doing for Hampshire for years. He's been in, I feel like he's been in every single England squad for about the last five years. And every time you're kind of like, you're kind of like, oh, oh, Liam Dawson's in the squad, is he? It's kind of like, oh, you know, he's he's that player who, his bowling's been pretty good in this. You know, he never really gets, he never seems to get hit for that many. And, you know, I've never really seen him bat for England like this. You know, I feel like that was quite a big, a big performance for him. But yeah, couldn't quite get us over the line, the kind of slow ball bumper causing him a problem that he just kind of like looped it up in the air after just smacking everyone around yeah I, f- I feel like it's a difficult one these games are all really close it is worth noting that I think Pakistan's side in these games other than Shaheen is closer to their side will be in the World Cup than England's is you know England have probably got we seem to be trying out a lot of players which is good Harry Brook Really, really impressive. We will talk more about him in due course because he, for me, he's in the World Cup team right now. But then, you know, you've got other players. Like we said, Dawson's not even in the main squad. Jax isn't in the main squad either. Hales will now probably play. But, you know, there's a lot of players missing. You've got no Butler, no Milan, no Stokes, who I presume will play. No idea how he'll do, but he will play. So, you know, it's not great from the batting side for England. And like you say, they did probably undervalue their wickets potentially. But again, that's a that's just the difference in styles between these two teams. Pakistan seem to always overvalue their wickets. They've got a very good opening partnership. And it kind of always makes me think they should be so, so good at ODI cricket Pakistan. But they don't seem to be because those two at the, at the top can just bat and bat and bat. And, you know, although they don't, like you said, Rizwan had a good innings. His innings was, was decent. Obviously, getting 88 is decent. But if you're facing 67 balls in a T20 game, you should be scoring 100, especially if you're as good as Rizwan. So his uh, a 131 strike rate for that many for that many balls is not that good. It's okay because they did obviously win. And if you have other players who can come in and go from ball one, which they do have some players like that, but Shah Masood isn't one of those players. He's another player who wants to open the batting. He has recently tried to kind of, I think he he was batting at four in the National T20 Cup that was recent. So he was doing that to try and be a number four, but it's not his natural game. When he's been, but when he was, I think he was the kind of third highest run scorer in the PSL a few years ago, third highest Pakistani run scorer in the PSL in maybe 2020. And it was like, oh, how's he not getting in the side? It's because, well, he's not, he's not Rizwan or Baba. They were the top two. Well, Baba was top and someone else was second, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a struggle for them, and the middle order is is kind of the big struggle. Yeah, mm, that's definitely captured a lot of our sentiments around the matter from the Pakistani side. Is that Sean definitely is not, let's say, the most prolific uh, in terms of strike rate, and but he is trying to push up his game, which has been pretty nice to see. And he did sort of like show glimpses of that in the in the in the third one where he sort of like got 60 odd out from 30. So he is capable of getting up that strike rate. I guess it was just just not his day today. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, 
that leads us nicely on, I think, to some of the kind of bigger picture um, takeaways from this series so far, because, you know, as you both alluded to, this is this is really important for the players. Right. I think there's a lot of um, players, a lot of question marks, I would argue, in both teams going into the World Cup. I don't think either team has a completely fixed 11 due to whether that's due to injuries or form or anything else. So this has turned out. Again, seven-game series just seemed like a lot to me at first, but this has turned out to be a fantastic way um, for players to really, um, you know, stamp their authority on the team. And you can yeah. see that. They've been really competitive games. Um, Zach, so far um, from the England side, you've got Harry Brook being our top run scorer across the, um, across the matches with 188 from his four innings. He's looked absolutely remarkable. Some of those shots, Zach... Um, on Sunday some of those you know kind of cover drives for six were just you know on a different planet so he's averaging 94 um, in the series so far and for us wicket takers Adil Rashid surprising no one is is up there with four Um, yeah Zach who's really uh, made a mark for you on this uh, on this series and who is really bolstering um, you know their you know their place potentially in not just the World Cup squad but in the first game of the tournament in a couple of weeks so quickly before I move on to that, I think the seven game series, like you say, we were all kind of like 70, 20s. Do we need to do this? But now I'm kind of thinking if this was only five games, I'd be like, give me more, you know, because it's Absolutely. been so exciting. But, you know, Absolutely. if England potentially if England had gotten over the line in that game in in uh, on whatever day it was, the last game when they lost and yeah. it made it back to two all rather than it being if say it was three one going into three more games, if England won one more, it's kind of game over. But it is very exciting. All the games have been pretty competitive, apart from, you know, we had that the game when England hit 220, which is where Harry Brook stood out, looked brilliant. Him and, and Ben Duckett's really kind of risen his stock as well, like his brilliant yeah. spin hitter. I, I don't think he'll get, he's not going to get in the side for this World Cup, but I don't think, I would have been shocked to see, I was kind of shocked to see him in the squad, even though he's had, you know, he's been pretty good for a couple of years now. But he seems like he's kind of one of those players who I think is always kind of viewed as being very good for the county game, very good in the blast, but not good enough for England. Whereas Harry Brook, again, was worried that he was going to be the same, but, you know, he clearly has taken that step up and done really well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you pointed to Ben Duckett, Zach, because for me watching this series, he's been he's been pretty much Mr. Consistent. Um, he has got, you know, something resembling a score. Well, at least in three of the four innings, but, you know, 21 is not nothing. So he's had 21, 43, a fantastic 17 odd out in that third game. And then even in this even in this match, um, Zach, you know, he, he couldn't pull them over the line. I think that was the story of the whole team in the middle order. Everyone got a start on an innings, got into the 20s, 30s, then got out. But he still, you know, offered 33 for this game. Um, yeah, I don't think same as you, Zach. I don't think he's necessarily going to be, um, you know, in the um in the team necessarily i know there's question marks in the squad but as you said he's shown that he can play spin remarkably well and he's dominated when he's been batting he's looked really really confident um zach i think we'll bring him out into the conversation too of course but Zach, looking at the question marks for me right now and we'll get into the for listeners we'll get into the squads we think or starting 11s in the second half of the pod um but purely from the series so far the openers, I still feel it really isn't set in stone for England right now. Um, how do you feel? Butler is you know, not going to be fit enough to play the fifth game, I don't think, I read just before we hopped on. Um, in terms of opening, maybe who would you like to see opening the next game, the fifth one? And do you think anyone's doing enough to really say, this is my spot in a couple of weeks in the World Cup? I think it's really interesting because 
Jax isn't in the main squad for the World Cup. He's only a reserve. So Jax won't be playing in that first game of the World Cup. He's, you know, he's looked decent, but again, he's he, he's looked inconsistent. When he was batting at three in the last game, you know, that's not that's not his position. He hit 40 from 22 in the game before and looked looked really good. And, and that was his that was his debut. So I, th- I think for me, it's probably going to be Hales, you know, no matter what we think about him coming back into the fold. His record in Australia is is brilliant. So I think that will put him in there. I personally think it should be Milan who's been opening because Milan's going to play, right? Milan will play. So Milan, I don't think we need to have him at three. I think we should just have him opening because that's what he's been doing all season for Trent Rockets in the 100 and doing it brilliantly was if he wasn't player of the tournament, then he probably deserved to be, but I don't know if he was. He was brilliant, just smacking the ball everywhere, really consistent, really good strike rate. And, you know, I, th- I think if, if he's going to play, then we should open with him and Butler. Nice left hand, right hand there. And then, because obviously also we've got Stokes. So Stokes is going to bat four potentially, which seems a bit low. I feel like they're all players who want to who want to be in the top three or more so they want to open. And we've got we've got a lot of batting. You know, we've, we've got a lot of batting. We've got Livingston's come back. Moeen could, could bat higher. There's, there's a lot there. So I don't think, I don't necessarily think we need to have any of these people opening the the batting, but we will have one of them, I presume. That's a good point. Yeah, and I think it's a shame that, you know, Sol, and obviously to an extent, Hales, he's, he chipped in with a 50, um, but nothing really beyond that. Haven't really been able to um, to cement their place in this team by any means. Hamad, watching England in this series so far, who for you has, has jumped out? And maybe who for you has... Um, really, I, I, I guess, shone and looked consistent across the games. Because I think beyond Harry Brook and maybe one or two of the bowlers who might get there in a moment, it's been it's been difficult. I mean, they've been rotating the teams as well, which makes it yeah. difficult to really to really show your consistency if you're in and out of the team by design. But who, who's jumped out for you that you've you, you've been watching the series so far? Um, I would definitely put uh, Duckhead up there. Uh, the fact that he's been playing spin so well. Uh, means that he's definitely uh, would be a top contender if you were playing anywhere in the subcontinent. So if you ha- see tracks that are have a bit of spin in them, and then I think you would potentially try to have uh, Duckett in your squad uh, as much as possible. Uh, I would say, yeah, I would agree with Zach in terms of the opening that it's not been, let's say, uh, the best in the top three. But uh, one of the things I guess I would probably sort of like push is that uh, maybe not having sort of like a fixed uh, order of batsmen or thinking about having a fixed order of uh, of batsmen uh, might not be the key, especially for T20 these days. Uh, One of the things that we keep hearing these days is that your lineup should be as fluid as possible to take care of the situation. So rather than thinking about in terms of position, uh, you might want to talk about, to think about phases of the game. So uh, if you have players that start slow, but slow but have a potential to go uh, deep and hard at the end, then you might want to start them up earlier. The other than if you have people that can just shoot up uh, as quick as possible, maybe you can leave them up to the later of the innings. So... And again, who do you expect to be balling in the time when you're sending somebody in? Is it going to be the spinners? Is it going to be pacers? Who are you going to send up? 
it tends to be always about matchups, 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 at least in T20. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, you, you, you've told me over the weekend that uh, Pakistan fans have been calling for even within their team. Yeah. Um, and looking at the Pakistan team just in this series so far, obviously you've had the four games. So Mohamed Rezwan, as we all know, we all know his talent. We all know his quality with both the bat and the gloves. He is yeah. running away with top run scorer right now. He's about... Yeah. 60-odd um, above um, Harry Brook. He's had four innings. He's got a remarkable average of 84. So yeah. he's been doing fantastic. And then Harris Rolf, who you touched on, um, is the highest wicket-taker across both teams in the series with six and a really impressive average of just 20. Um, he's been really showing his value um, in terms of pace, in terms of death bowling. Um, he is going to be really, really good in Australia, you feel. Um, yeah. Ahmad, who, who's, who's emerged from this um, series with more credit for you so far? And who has maybe been slightly disappointing for you? Well, I would say, at least for instance, Khushdil has not been doing any favors to his position in this side. Um, whether that's a victim of circumstance or uh, just the fact that he is not in in his top nick. Uh, but there have always been a situation of where people have been like, uh, you're not sending Khushdil in at the right time. Uh, we've seen that he tends to wants to uh, need a bit of time to set in before he mm-hmm. can start hitting. So sending him around the time where he only managed to get like six or seven balls or has to start hitting from ball one uh, is not necessarily a forte. So you would try to push, let's say, in a ideal situation. If you're near the end of the innings, you would push Asif over Absolutely. push the And then there are also situation of like, you have accumulators sort of like at the top of the innings. When one of them gets out, why are you sending another accumulator? And let's say Shan Masood, for instance. So... Maybe Khushdil would be a better situation in those uh, in, in those kind of situations. Uh, but uh, as far as who is sort of like stood up, um, I would say Sean should get a proper na- knock at it. He's, he's shown his, his sort of like his caliber in the 60 that he scored in, in the third match. And it's just a matter of not getting into Nick in that. But I, I would see what the idea was with sending him in after Barber is that that Barber will tend to kick on after he gets in and Sean Masood has shown that he can start to get kick on from uh, from the beginning although but not necessarily like Asifali pace but still kick on quick enough so I would sort of like try to give him an excellent run uh disappointment wise I think Heather Ali would be one in that in the two games that he managed to play he couldn't really get on kept getting hurried by uh, faster bowlers and not necessarily getting his eye in, uh, which is a bit unfortunate. A lot of people really want him to succeed and be there and sort of like have an answer to sort of like our fourth or, th- or fourth or third batsman situations where we can send in somebody who can score hard and fast. And I don't, we don't know. Uh, but given the fact that Fucker is, he's traveling in reserves, so... He's probably not, may not be, but he tends to have a more permanent position in the lineup than most other people. Absolutely. Um, Zach, anything to, anything to add just there? Yeah, so with, with the traveling reserves worth noting, it means that they can't come into the squad unless someone gets injured. Yeah. 
which is which is strange and like so I mean for Australia we're not talking about Australia obviously Cam Green's been brilliant for them last few games not in the squad at all so can't come in unless someone gets injured so there's a a few interesting things and it's the same with with Duckett and Dawson for England they can't come in unless someone gets injured which I think is strange I think just why don't we just have bigger squads always Mm -hmm. wondered that Mm -hmm. yeah I don't really see the point Uh, but yeah I think on the Pakistan side it's interesting because Shadab Khan is just a big miss in both sides because bowling wise Usman Kadir in the spin side, you know, every, all of England's players' leg spin stats look brilliant in this series because it's been <laughs> Usman Kadir, who has been a, I mean, he's not he's been great, wickets. to be honest. He bowls kind of a few wickets. He's got four wickets, but yeah, he bowls a long hop, first ball yeah. from the over kind yes. of thing, a hard tracker. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's at least kind of like two hit me balls and over, which yeah. is not good yeah. enough in, in international T20 cricket. Yeah. So, Everyone, so like it makes everyone's spin stats look good. And Shadab Khan is a far better bowler. He's also a very good spin hitter himself, which is something that Kushdil is, is certainly not a good spin hitter. Asif Ali, not really that good at spin hitter either. Iftikhar, again, none of them are good spin hitters. The only other one who's who's decent is Nawaz, who obviously was, who was pushed up the order in one of the Asia Cup games. And I'm interested to India. see if, yeah, against India, and that worked really well. And yeah. I'm interested to hear, Hamad, what you think about that and whether that should be something that's looked at for the World Cup. Because in my 11, he's there, but he's, yeah. he's batting pretty low down. Because, But to be flexible and be able to be flexible with that and kind of always try and have, in the middle overs, if you can always try and have one of one of Shudab and Nawaz and then one with batting with one of, you know, hopefully Rizwan or Baba. But if, if they're yeah. out, then, you know, Iftikhar... Uh, Asif or Kushdil is what we're talking about because yeah Kushdil was brilliant in the PSL yeah brilliant at hitting pace and yeah. I think that will be more of a thing in in Australia I think yeah. spin's gonna just spin's gonna get bad a bit in Australia as yeah. it always does mm-hmm. we're expecting high scoring games which I think sometimes isn't isn't Pakistan style but then I think it does sometimes mean if there's all high scoring games your bowling attack is more important and the bowling we're not really worrying about the bowling side for Pakistan so I do wonder what what you think about the kind of Nawaz promoting thing that was my question before I uh, rambled on there yeah uh, that's definitely one of the things that I would like uh, Pakistan to do more is what I alluded to before was that uh, the batting lineups need to be flexible based on the situation. And definitely Nawaz or Shadab should be somebody that you should be sending up higher up, uh, especially in the middle overs when there's a spin on and you could have either of those being hitting uh, in conclusion with somebody else who is sticking on, who is maybe can hit pace if there's pace being sent on the other side. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, Nawaz and Shadab are definitely in there in in the in the squad. Uh, I guess uh, at least for Shadab, they're resting him a bit more uh, uh, to make sure that he's top. And they also want to give Usman Kadir Kadir a bit more time to play in, get get into rhythm and all of that, so that he he also has has tends to have the skills. It's just a matter of like getting enough rhythm and practice in to make sure he, that he not keeps hitting those long hops uh, so consistently uh, in his (laughs) overs. 
<laughs> exactly that exactly that i think we're leading nicely on to looking at some squads which we're going to do in part two um so stay tuned for that in just a moment before we make that transition hamad and zach we're tied up at 2-2 as we've said it's been it's been great i mean i could talk about just purely this series for another half hour mm. but i want i want to look at the the tournament writ large um three more games to go um change of venues if i'm not mistaken coming up yep. as well um Hamad, what does this look like uh, when all seven games have been played? What is your final score? And Zach, afterwards, what do you think? Uh, I would definitely go with a 4-3. Uh, either way, I would not put it against Pakistan if they, if they lose against at the end. Uh, at the end, who really cares about bilateral T20s these days, I guess. But at the same time, Definitely, it's there for Pakistan to win it, and Lahore is definitely a venue. Absolutely, and just one thing on that, one thing I really noticed watching back the game last night, um, you say, and you know, with good reason, you know, who kind of cares about bilateral T20 series, you know, they just kind of come and go. The fans, Hamad, I mean, they were absolutely fantastic. It felt, it felt to me like the final of a domestic league or a World Cup match. It was unbelievable, um, the atmosphere. Wickets, you know, celebrated with, you know, such energy. So I love that. So although I agree, long, long bilateral series usually aren't like the the biggest talking point for fans this one has been absolutely top notch um zach where where are you kind of landing on this hamad did hedge his bets so give me a winner i don't want to maybe this maybe that what do you think no no i'm going four three england and here's my reasoning i think england have got so in the first couple games we had not not off a first choice pace attack out at all we've still not got there's still a few people being rested. Jordan's not going to play a game, but we did have Topley and Wood back in, who I expect, as we will come on to in part two, to play a big role in Australia for us. So I think with Topley and Wood back, our bowling is better. Sim- simple as, I think they're better than the people who were, who were playing it the first couple games. So I think we will win it, particularly with Butler. Butler's going to come in in like the seventh game and just be in really good form, fingers crossed, because if he's in bad form, then... The T20 World Cup in Australia is not going to go very well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's a nice, nice, nice place to leave part one. I'm going to agree with you, Zach. I, I think England have got have got enough in the in the tank in in terms of reserves and rotation to um, uh, to win this. But, you know, Hamad, to speak to your point, I wouldn't be surprised if Pakistan win it. And part of me kind of wants them to win because it's been so thrilling because the fans have turned up um, so much. I would, I kind of love to see Pakistan win this. So anyway, a brilliant series. Um, you know, I, I cannot wait for the next game. Three more to go. And um, yeah, we will see how it unfolds. Um, that's going uh, to be about fi- it. Oh, so fi- finish on your point about the crowd on that. Karachi has been sort of like been derided by a lot of Pakistani fans is that Karachi doesn't turn up to games. There are games in PSL where we see stands empty and on. And Karachi is basically sort of like given a fitting answer to all of that. And be like, we're here sellouts for all four games. Turn up. Absolutely. I mean, sellouts plus. I think they said on the the comms on Sunday that there was definitely more if you include people kind of watching outside as well. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. More than 30k. Um, Yeah, I'm surprised, Hamad. I'm surprised that Karachi's come under fire because I've thought with every game it's been it's been an electric atmosphere. And yeah, as you said, to sell out four games, 
that's that that takes that takes some doing that takes a really passionate um local fan base so um yeah credit yes i i, I can see you smiling there but yeah on the record fantastic fans fantastic location um and we will leave part one there and come back in just a moment to look ahead to the world cup and our kind of two predicted 11s for pakistan and england Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back to Rainstop Play. Uh, I'm joined by Hamad and Zach today. It's been a lot of fun so far. We've been reflecting um, on the seven-game bilateral series between Pakistan and England. Obviously, four of those having been played, three to go. And now we're going to kind of, I guess, um, shift our attention um, over to Australia with the World Cup starting there in a couple of weeks in October. We're going to kind of fold in what we've learnt or what we think we've learnt um, from this series so far um, into directly into the World Cup and really look at both teams um, and assess who we think is going to be in that 11 for the first game. I imagine there'll be a bit of debate. I'm, I hope there might be a little bit of disagreement as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, Zach, I am going to come to you first purely because I think you, you have really kind of alluded to parts of your 11 in the first half of the pod um, for England. So I'm really intrigued just to see you talk it through. I think there's a lot of question marks here, especially in the order of batters. And Hamad, I am attentive to your point about maybe having a more fluid team. So potentially, Zach, potentially it doesn't matter quite as much who might be, say, four, five, six, if we're going to take that approach. So I'll be interested to see if you think that will work. Um, but yeah, with that in mind, for you, uh, who do you think is going to be starting the first game of the World Cup in a few weeks? So one to eleven, I think first game we will go with Hales and Butler to open, Milan to about three, Stokes at four, Brook at five, Livingston six, Moeen seven, with some flexibility in there as obviously Moeen is our best spin hitter. And then number eight is interesting. I think we'll probably go Jordan for the first game because we want to shore up at the death a little bit. Rashid, nine, Wood, 10, Topley, 11. I think it is worth noting in there that obviously there's we've got three spare bowlers, but also Mark Wood is not going to play every single game. 
because of injury records and, and the like. So those bowlers, Wokes, Willie and Curran will all get a go. I think it's a slightly different approach if you bring in one of them, but you would probably bring in one of them and still want Jordan in the side because of the death bowling. None of them works really in current. Not very good at the death. Any of them, all pretty good in the power play. So yeah, that's my that's my side. Um, good stuff. I like it. I like it. I've got a few thoughts, but I want to I want to hear um, what Hamas uh, what Hamad has to say first. Um, uh, what are you thinking of that, Hamad? Obviously, um, it's it's a bit rough. There's still question marks in there. But what are your initial kind of thoughts from that right now? Uh, I think it it seems to be a pretty decent lineup from what I would think about. Um, I'm not sure what what happened to Jason Roy as as he as he traveling or with the World Cup or not? Not all. He, which, is, which... he is not traveling at all. He's out of the squad and not even in the traveling reserves. On the no fly list, he's, he's banned. Yeah. He's banned from international travel for the duration of the World Cup. Um, <laughs> it's a good wild. question, Matt. <laughs> because he was as, as much of a lock-in for the opening for the opening spot as probably any yeah. member of the England team in terms of position over the last couple of um, years. And yet, yeah, his his as, as as you're more than aware, his domestic form fell off a cliff across across tournaments, across the blast, across the hundred. Um, and as um, Robert Key, I think it was the person. Rob Key was the person to say it. Unfortunately for Roy. He lost form at the worst possible time as a, as an England player, which is just before a tournament. Um, yeah, I, I'm intrigued by the opening too. I, Zach, I agree. I do think it will be Hales and Butler. Is there a case, maybe Hamad or Zach, for Stokes to be elevated um, up to open and that frees up a spot in the middle order? Maybe if Hales doesn't get another score in this series in the final three games? What do you think to that? That would be a bold decision for me. I think Stokes tends to like coming in lower. I, I feel like that he, he I've not necessarily seen a lot of him batting in T20s recently, but from what I've sort of like gathered, he tends to like uh, be more of a biffer. So he he could be there uh, to sort of like give a late late innings impetus usually, but I guess Zach would know better on that regard. Well, I, I think it's completely understandable that you haven't seen much of him because he hasn't played a T20 for, well, he hasn't played a T20I in years. I don't even think he's yeah. played a T20 in over a year. So no one knows what form he's in, what sort of, where he where he wants to bat, where he where he's best batting. I, I think he's probably best batting in the top three mm. or batting as a finisher. If he were to just come in and, like you say, smack pace around. He's not he's he's not the best player of spin in T20 cricket. You know he he can. We've all seen the shots he can play. He's got all the shots, but the strike rate can be a little bit lacking against spin. I, I think he either bats in the top. Th- I think he probably will bat four, and it it might look a little bit scratchy. I I'm worried for how Ben Stokes is going to look. That's the position I'm most worried about in this lineup. Well, not sorry, not the. In the batting lineup, yes, the bowling is very worrying on the other side. But in the batting lineup, it's the most worrying one because I feel like he could look scratchy. And we play Afghanistan in that first game and they've got a lot of spinners and they've got some very good spinners. So he's going to he's going to get a scratchy kind of 10 from 12 in that game. Early predictions for you there, Glenn. Excellent. Excellent analysis. Uh, I, I really love it. And uh, it's great work to bring the first fixture in. That's going to be an absolute cracking game. Um, Afghanistan, I'm really looking forward to that. Um Zach, not maybe a bit of devil's advocate here, but you just said about three different question marks over Stokes' role in the team. 
are we uh, why are we presupposing perhaps that he's definitely guaranteed of a spot at all i think if you so our squad predisposes that he's guaranteed a spot the only spare batter is um is salt so salt won't and i'd be shocked if we bat salt at four or five we tried it in the in the West caribbean Indies. earlier this year yeah yeah and it, it just didn't work no so i think either salt or hails i think salt is a very kind of a, he's quite a good direct replacement for jason roy salt will will always kind of go at a high strike rate basically he won't necessarily last very long but he will get you off to a good start so how often is salt scored eight runs in the first over at least you know like that's 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 kind of the way he bats and it's it's the way Jason Roy batted as well so I think he would he was more of a direct replacement but I think with them bringing Hales in and Hales's record in in Australia they will go with Hales just yeah the Stokes one is simply that we don't have anyone else to bat there unless we were to go bowling heavy which I would potentially do and go and have um someone like Willie or Wokes at seven which I think is fine, but obviously, if in your top seven you do, you can already have overs from Stokes, Livingston, and Moeen. I mean, I think it does. It gives a freedom if you can have, if you then have a number seven who is a specialist power play bowler, kind of someone like Wokes who will bowl two or three in the power play and then won't need to bowl their four. I'm fine with that, but I don't think England are going to go with that. I think England, throughout the last World Cup, they were a little bit conservative with it, and they had someone like that batting at eight which is a bit low, but then obviously they're not, you know, none of them have been kind of amazing in their batting recently. So, but they are kind of all players who can bat, you know, they're, they're good kind of test number eights. Is, is what I think about it as. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this is, this is, this is great. And okay. So yeah, you know, batting, maybe it just feels like we're a little bit light in terms of options there, which feels like a surprise. We're, we're, we're basically, we've got the kind of paradox, right, Zach, where we're kind of, there's too many players who seem to do a similar job, this kind of big middle order hitter. We're completely, there's an embarrassment of riches right there. But then in some of the other key positions, i.e., you know, maybe opening two, i.e. maybe number four is a tricky one in T20 if you're not an opener or a finisher it's tough yeah I mean personally I would have I think six is as I've, I've written in the notes I think six is too low for Livingston I think we should have I think Livingston and Moeen should both be kind of floaters depending on the game situation and who's still in if it's someone like Butler still in then potentially go Livingston because Butler although he's a brilliant hitter of pace is, is also pretty good at hitting spin I mean spin is his weakness but you know he's still very good at hitting both so I think someone like, say, it, if it's someone else still in, someone who's a very good pace hitter like Alex Hales, then you bring in Moeen because then it's you can't really be kind of match up out of the game almost with that. But then, I, but like with Pakistan, I want us to be able to be flexible. Moeen hasn't been coming in in this series, even though he's been captain and he's been coming in at seven and it's been kind of consistent. He comes in at seven or six when he's been batting at six. But I think during these games, Moeen should have been coming in ahead of Brooke a couple of times. Although Brooke's been brilliant and Brooke actually played spin brilliantly. Lots of comparisons with uh, Surya Kumar Yadav, which I love. Mm-hmm. And he's been just quality. It wasn't expected. And Moeen is a, is still a better spin hitter. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think if there's someone who, you know, if against Afghanistan, for example, Moeen shouldn't bat at seven. Moeen should bat at four or five, basically. 
Absolutely. I mean, I've heard Livingston, uh, a pundit or two, mentioned even at number seven, which feels just like a complete a complete waste of his talents. Um, mm. Really interesting stuff in the batting. I love it. Looking at the bowling, um, I think you sounded a little bit more concerned there. Just to reiterate, I guess going backwards from, from 11 backwards here, we've got Topley, Wood, Rashid, and then we've got four names. We've got Wokes, Willie, Curran, Jordan. Zach, what is your concern about this bowling lineup as we look forward to the World Cup? Where's it? Where's it looking a little bit more um, vulnerable um, potentially in those conditions? I mean, in one in one kind of phrase, we're, we're, we've got we've got a Jofra Archer shaped hole, simply as. But that's kind <laughs> of that. You could say that about any bowling attack and any team Every because team Joffre Archer is <laughs> exactly and it's it's like it's, it's it's similar it's different but it's similar to how Pakistan's bowling attack has looked good in this series but it would be world class if Shaheen was there and it, it it's a similar thing Shaheen is so good that he will make any attack better and the same with Archer Archer but primarily at the death Archer he kind of converted himself into being able to do be really good in the power play recently as, as well as being good at the death but it's at the death where we miss him because we've got Topley's pretty good at the power play, kind of comes in from a good height, left arm angle. He's been great. He's been great. Good kind of seam movement there. And then Wood, been very, very expensive at the death. Bowled absolute wheels the other day. 97 miles an hour. I think it was the fastest. Yeah. It was the fastest over ever by an England pacer. Obviously, the records only began in 2004, but still pretty (laughs) bloody quick considering he's just coming back from injury. Outrageous. But again, they're all kind of, they're very good at, they're very good at either starting the innings or in the middle order. Chris Jordan, who knows which Chris Jordan we're going to get. He had a That's little it. bit, he had a That's better it. summer. He had a better summer when he played at kind of grounds that had big kind of wide boundaries, which is kind of the type of grounds you think of when you think of Australia. They they are big grounds. So he was kind of going for the, the kind of harder lengths, like back of a length and tucking up batters. And they were struggling to hit him away because there's big square boundaries. But whenever he goes back to Yorkers, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't seem to work anymore. Like it used to be his thing. He would bowl six Yorkers in a row at the death and it would be his thing. But now that doesn't seem to work. If he can stick with the kind of back of a length, then maybe he'll be okay. But I think we're going to lose a couple of games because of our death bowling, as we did the semi-final last year in the World Cup. So I think that's that's where we're, that's where we're really worried. And also, if Adil Rashid's shoulder gives up at any point within the next... Game Two to three years. Don't, don't bother getting yeah, on the plane. Don't bother getting on the plane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ahmad, uh, thank you, Zach, for um, for putting that eleven together. Going to come back to you in just a second for your Pakistan eleven, and then open up the conversation there. But Ahmad, just real quick, looking at that England team, um, what do you think? Where do you think this England team might be lacking? Would you agree with Zach's um, kind of criticism that potentially the death bowling is a weak spot, and then yeah, that this this middle order it almost feels a bit messy. The fact that there's just such talent in there, I do feel it's going to be really difficult to get the best out of that top seven if not impossible I'd say it's probably impossible to get the best out of them so you've probably got to pick the players for the occasion as you're mentioning matchups but yeah Hamad yeah. when you when you look at this team or you hear it what are your thoughts well definitely there's a dearth of uh, uh batting talent there's too much batting talent for my liking uh so much so that it sort of like sometimes muddles up the roles that the players mm-hmm. feel that they might have because you're not entirely sure of which position you're going to get in, uh, even sort of like narrowing it down to two or three positions. So that I think sometimes may model up a situation, but it seems like at least for batting side, uh, other players tend to cover up for other players. 
so you still manage to get somewhere decent. Uh, balling side, I would tend to agree with Zach in a lot of places that uh, that balling definitely feels a bit lacking. You definitely don't have enough people that can ball pace at the depth and to pace like, like that that is essentially very hard to put away. Uh, of course, you had Chris Jordan with who had his experience with the Yorkers, but that seems to have fallen away. Uh, but he doesn't have, I guess, the pace that would sort of like not necessarily necessary relying on those Yorkers a lot also. Uh, but yeah, uh, definitely, um, I guess this is just a, a you, there's, you're sort of like also missing somebody like Plunkett used to when he uh, later on became to be is like became that canny baller with variations that was very hard to get away. So I think you're sort of like missing that kind of a baller that can just not necessarily rely on pace, but rely on while uh, and wit to sort of like keep uh, Batman from scoring away. Um, yeah, uh, and definitely not having sort of have a Adil Rashid replacement could be uh, not a great situation, uh, which I guess like, they're sort of like trying to get Dawson sort of like that role where he can sort of like also play at the other spinner, but yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's a tough one. What's interesting is um, read a piece. I mean, it's in a kind of more test context that Will Jacks yeah. is being looked at as more as, as attempting to work on his bowling to be maybe more of a Moeen Ali figure, right? Where he can yeah. he can do a job with both. But yeah, purely in the context of a couple of weeks' time for a World yeah. Cup, we are a little bit light in that department. Um, great stuff. Um, we'll I'll come back just towards the end with maybe prediction for how far we think England will go at this point in time. We'll do a full preview pod for the World Cup, of course, in due course. Um, Zach. Would you mind running through your lightly Pakistan eleven, and then we will take it to our one-man jury, which is Hamad, to see uh, to see his thoughts. But um, who have you got? This is this is a really interesting team. A lot of question marks for me in that middle order of Pakistan. So yeah, I think it is worth noting that before before I start running through this, numbers three to seven, I left until the end and was like. <laughs> Who knows? Basically, don't know which order they're going to go in. Don't Just half know. the team. <laughs> I, th- I think the team, the team, you know, a few of them are pretty, are pretty kind of like, you know, there's a few of the players I expect will play, but where, what position they'll be in is very open. So, Babar and Rizwan to open. Very few surprises there. Potentially, Sean Masood. I've got Sean Masood slash Hyder Ali at number three because I think I think Hamad's going to go Sean Masood, and I probably do agree with that because Hyder Ali hasn't been very good in this series. I've then got Kushdil at four, Asif Ali five, Iftikar six, Shadab seven, Nawaz eight. So you, you're back deep. You're back pretty deep. Obviously, as we've said, would expect Shadab and Nawaz to float up the order to be spin hitters. Harris Ralph, Shaheen Sharafridi, Nazim Shah are my, my three bowlers, my three pace bowlers, who I think are arguably the best pace attack in the tournament coming up so you know that's going to be a lot of fun on we expect fast bouncy pitches yeah i think the three bowlers and the three and the opening batters as you said the quality is magnificent i think the real question mark remains that kind of the middle of that sandwich in between them right um hamad here in that team you know what are your thoughts do you think that's going to be going to be something similar to what you're expecting to see have we have we um uh, forgotten someone key uh, I would definitely agree with a lot of this. I would say uh, 
maybe you would sort of like switch out Nassim with Dahani uh, or Mohamed Wasim, uh, depending upon what you want, because Mohamed Wasim can also hit. So, so he can definitely be also like an extra batsman if you need it on the occasion. Uh, definitely the main question marks are over uh, the order in, in which Khushdil, Asif, and uh, Iftikhar come in. Uh, Iftikhar definitely has been getting, uh, and Khushdil has been getting a lot more support to be in the team more consistently. They're sort of like being the uh, only ones in the battle order that have been pretty much there for the whole four series, four matches so far also. So I think there is a situation of like the uh, the management uh, saying that we are keeping the faith in you. So we want you to keep going out there. But I think uh, rather than more so of the lineup of the Pakistan team, it's a more of a matter of like, how do they better utilize them? Is that uh, how are you utilizing Nawaz and Asif and, and Shadab? Are you putting them up when the situation requires or are you keeping with the static lineup? Because that's sort of like was the situation in the Asia Cup is that when you kept your uh, lineup static, you didn't necess- you ran into some situations in which your ballers had to bail you out. But if you kept brought them in, uh, brought uh, some of these lower order players up, then you saw more success. Like for instance, with Nawaz and and Shadab in the uh, Nawaz in the India game and Shadab in the Afghanistan game. Uh, so. Uh, I would say I would I it's pretty much I would agree with Zach's lineup. Uh maybe I would just not keep Heather in. Sean is probably gonna be my Fahar replacement. Um uh, but I would not necessarily send Sean in uh in the middle overs per se as I would maybe Nawaz or Shada, depending on the situation. Absolutely. And Giza, give uh Asif some more time just to just to smash yeah. it. I mean he's yeah. he's got it in the locker and I think it's really interesting. He's one of those players I feel, right, Hamad, that can hit from ball one the same yeah. way arguably Liam, Liam Livingston or whoever else for England tries to. Um yeah, Zach, would you would you agree with that then? I think I think that was that was a pretty popular side from uh for Hamad. I think you're you're in pretty much broad agreement there. Yeah, I like the idea of, of of having Wazim as kind of a number eight, and I think that could be potentially something I would I would maybe go with as kind of it would be a really bowling heavy side if you had Wazim at eight, those three paces nine, ten, eleven, and you still had Nawaz and Shadab. It could be a case of they kind of go instead of Nawaz, they go Wazim as kind of a if it looks like it's going to be really flat, spin's going to yeah. get smacked, then they could go just with Shadab and then the four paces and. It's a pretty good attack that, and like you say, Wazim can hit the ball. I, yeah, I completely agree. I think Masood will probably go, get there, but I do think that kind of getting. I think the problem with for Pakistan is going to be if if someone gets a hold of their bowlers. I think you're going to like hitting 200 or 210 consistently is something that Pakistan haven't done basically for a long time. I know they you know they did do it in they hit 200 in lots of 200 without losing a wicket in one of the games in this series but it's not something they do consistently and that's kind of down to partly I think Baba and Rizwan can get them off to good starts and then don't kind of they push on with the runs but they don't necessarily push on and up the strike rate as much as you would expect. So like we said with the Rizwan innings and I think Baba's kind of Baba's had some pretty poor form recently obviously did score a ton in this in this series but it's been a little bit inconsistent and kind of what you don't want is both of them being a you don't really want to be 
40 without loss at the end of power play and both of them are kind of 20 from 20 from yeah. 20 almost something that's kind of it's not good it's not good enough and put it and that is in itself although it might look good because they've they've both of those guys have scored runs again you are yeah. then putting pressure on an, a less experienced middle order because they're having to kind of pick up the slack so i do think there's although they're, they're both brilliant players they the kind of acceleration from them and the kind of I, it's difficult because obviously they also can't accelerate if wickets are tumbling around them. So I think it's difficult, but I think they will. I think Pakistan will do pretty well in this tournament, but they will struggle to hit, kind of hit 200. And if someone, you know, someone like so India in their group, South Africa in their group, someone gets a hold of a couple of their bowlers, then then they could they could struggle. We need to get Surya Kumara out as quick as possible. You can't let him stick around. <laughs> I think I think that's what every every team's thinking. For for playing India, you want to keep you want to keep Kohli and Rahul in as much as possible and stop Surya having time to just yeah. bat because he's he's the best batter in the world at the moment. So he's he's so good. Good stuff. Uh, it's a lot of interesting conversations here. As we get towards the uh, the end of the pod, uh, going to ask you both a pretty simple question again. There's there's a few weeks till uh, till the first ball is balled in the in the World Cup, but based on what we've seen in this series, based on more importantly what we know about these two teams before the series, because again there's been loads of rotation. Where do we think how or how far I guess. Uh, into the tournament how deep into the tournament do we think both these teams will make it um is it i think i imagine both get past group stage that'd be the hope but are we thinking how far through the knockout process and potentially looking towards the final and even winning it if you think pakistan or england uh have a good shot of winning it um let us know as well hamad gonna start with you pakistan england where where do you see them based on just what you know right at this moment in time? I'm sure this can change before we start the tournament, but how far do you think they're both going to get? I would put Pakistan near the semifinals mm-hmm. uh, as much as possible, simply because of the fact that they have the bowling stocks to get there. Uh, simply because uh, Australia is a uh, is good for fast bowlers. Pakistan has some of the best fast bowlers and more often than not, uh, the bowling has been called up to to win the games for Pakistan, and they tend to do. So, I would I would say anything less than a semi-final is would be very bad for Pakistan. And for England, I would I would say uh, I think they have a pretty shot, a pretty good shot of getting to the final itself. Uh, and they they obviously. Australia is also pretty good for batting, uh, and they have the batters for miles to do so. Battles with batters with experience in Australian conditions, and so yeah, that that w- I would sort of like put that to be the situation uh, in terms of where I place the teams. All right, semi-final Pakistan, potentially final for England. Zach, would you agree or switch those around? What do you think? Bit bit more of English pessimism, I might imagine. I'm going to be slightly more, slightly more pessimistic on both teams. Uh-huh. And that is more to do with the fact that both teams are going. Uh, there's a, there's some good teams. I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone looks like stand out amazing in this tournament. India should be stand out better than everyone else, but they're simply not at the moment. Burma coming back in will be big for them, but I think England will get to the semi-final because our group is slightly weaker. I think as long as we beat Afghanistan. We've got New Zealand, who 
I mean, obviously they made the final last time, but I don't think they're looking up to much. And then Australia in our group. So I think we will we will get through the group, but we will lose in the semi-finals to India, probably because if we finish second in our group, then they will likely win their group. And then for Pakistan, I think South Africa looked pretty good in South Africa or in Pakistan's group. So as I was saying before we before we came on air, Pakistan South Africa is there is both of their last or penultimate game in the group. So that is absolutely huge for both teams. And I think South Africa could could win that and and go through to the semi-finals. And obviously South Africa won't win anything because they 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 can't win ICC tournaments. They they're physically unable. <laughs> but um, I do think it will be Pakistan will bow in the group just about. But if it's all down to the pace bowling, then no one's got better pace bowling than Pakistan. I think it's going to be an exciting, it's going to be an interesting tournament. And they've, it felt like they've scheduled some of the games better this time round. So we play because last time it felt like all of the good games were front loaded. And although we have India Pakistan right at the start, that's one of the first games. We do have Pakistan South Africa that kind of event, which is a very important game right towards the end, which will be interesting. Yeah. Spot on. Um, and as we're pretty much at the end of the pod um, and you're talking about uh, the schedule of the World Cup, Zach, I think it's uh, time for you to share some uh, some big news with the listeners. Um, where are you going to be watching some of the World Cup games from, Zach? Uh, so I'm actually I am actually moving to Sydney in well, less than two weeks, which is very soon. Two weeks yesterday. And I will be watching some of the World Cup games. I will be there. I'm going to be there for uh, three of the games at the SCG at least. And I'm going to the final at the MCG. So very excited. Looking forward to it. And yeah, let's hope England can uh, can be there in the final and I can see them, see them lift the trophy. That would be absolutely remarkable. Um, and that's very exciting. Uh, very exciting news. Regards to the pod, we're going to have to try and work three time zones together. We will, we will see what we can do. Um, I'm sure we will do our best to make it to make it happen uh, in some way. Um, but yeah, that's amazing news. And honestly, Zach, no better time to be going. Zach actually timed his trip. Um, spoke to his fiance and said we're going to be moving there just before the World Cup starts. And I've already booked us for tickets to four games. So uh, really good stuff there. Um, and yeah, that's a, a lovely note to end the pod on. Um, Hamad, thank you so much for joining us. Bring a bit of passion some expertise i always love talking cricket with you we appreciate it thank you very much for having me i'm i'm definitely not one of the more prolific prolific experts out there as we could say but definitely always happy to to talk cricket with, with the guys here <laughs> modest too we love it and uh, zach the next time uh, uh we talk uh on the pod i imagine you'll be sat in your your gorgeous um new place in australia so we can't wait for that um thank you so much for joining us well thank you glenn yeah speak uh, look forward to it yeah and uh listeners i'm sure we'll be having a much more in-depth um world cup preview pretty soon it is just around the corner in mid-october so looking forward to that stay tuned for our big preview it's always fun we we really enjoyed doing it for the last one so um yeah keep your eye out for that and uh until then thank you very much for listening